Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to another episode of the National Pastime Dynasty podcast. I am your commissioner, and more importantly, three-time champion, Max. And today you've got a triumvirate of commissioners. I'm joined by the Gridiron Commissioner, Huck, as well as the uh, Hardwood Dynasty Commissioner, the Basketball League, Ethan. Guys, how's it going? Oh, it's going good. I guess, uh, it, you know, Commissioner is such a cheap term nowadays. and Just anybody can be one. So is that um, you're you think we're cheapening it just by having more leads? Is this a problem for you? Uh, I've been a commissioner for going on 19 years. I think next year will be my 20th year. So, uh, you know, I'm a seasoned veteran. Um, I, I get paid the, the veteran minimum. So, um, yeah, I know you guys are kind of newer to it. You're getting used to it, but uh well, theoretically, if you're getting paid the veteran minimum and we're like new to it, but we're still in our prime, we're making things happen, but you're just that end of the bench guy is what, that's what you're insinuating here. No, no. I mean, yeah, sure. Fine. Whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, 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 I said veteran minimum just to show that I've been here a while I'm seasoned. I know what's <laughs> going on. Hey, I mean, the. The league I'm commissioner of, I can't get 14 people to set a lineup in the same week, so <laughs> I got nothing to say. That's a discussion for another podcast at another time. Yeah, absolutely. Not not at all the thing that you're most upset about today, though, because, sorry, I thought you guys would have more to say. I even put blah, blah in the intro. Um, <laughs> this is like the the um, the Michael Scott where he's trying to eat the tiramisu while he's on the phone, and then he keeps forgetting. He'll like cough, and then he'll forget about it. He'll take another bite as he's trying to talk. Oh, gosh. Aiden cooked fajitas. I've got Merlot. Listen, I've, I've got a lot of things happening on this app. Um, so lockout. Lockout's the first thing we're going to talk about. My original notes for this were like, is it over? Like, you know, what, uh, what's going to happen now? It's so exciting. Um, but now we know the first two series of the season have officially been canceled. Uh, Manfred got up and, and answered some questions and made himself look like a real horse's ass today. Uh, fuck him and the owners. That's, that's my feeling. But um, Ethan, what, what are you thinking about the lockout right now? I mean, it's certainly frustrating. Um if you are like a, a frequent reader in the group text, which sometimes the quantity of text can can mount up and not everyone catches everything. But my my point in there remains true that I it's less about a resentment of millionaires versus billionaires and more a frustration with just a lack of investment in the game. And I feel like a lot of the way these negotiations played out has kind of reinforced that. So, you know, it's they don't, you know, the owners don't owe us anything. These are their businesses to run, but it's, I'm allowed to at least have my feelings hurt by it as a fan. So I think I'm in, I'm still in the licking my wounds stage of, of that. I mean, I'm, I, after sort of feeling optimistic, like everyone else was from the media last night and this morning, I do feel like the rug was kind of pulled out from under us. I don't know. I feel like there's some back fitting a narrative to say that it's it was a charade by the owners to show urgency. I think they had real urgency. I just don't think they had real intentions of 
evolving their offer, but I don't think they were only negotiating for optics, but, but, uh, that's, uh, my one, you know, my conspiracy theory, if you will. Yeah. And, and I, I'm not going to comment on what I think or what I think it, what's going on behind the scenes or why I think the owners, you know, made it (laughs) in a parking lot. Well, well, they made it seem like we were going to get a deal done and we were on this kind of like roller coaster of emotions last night where it's like, yes, we're going to get it done, a deal done by midnight. I went to bed, I mean, late, almost midnight last night thinking maybe I would wake up to something like, oh my gosh, we got a deal done. Oh my gosh, today we're, we, baseball's officially going to start at the end of March. Obviously that didn't happen. Things went south as, uh, you know, they couldn't agree on more than just one thing and this is not just one thing that we are waiting on which what the media kind of presented to us is that they just need to get closer on this one little thing and uh and and we'll be fine that's not the reality the reality is that there's a long way to go and um i'm not going to be one sit here and take either side you know it's like a super unpopular thing that you have to be on the side of the players or you have to be on the side of the owners. I don't know who would just only be on the side of the owners, but I I feel like both we are fans in a situation where our parents are the MLB Players Association and the owners, and they're fighting, and they're both at fault here to try to uh, you know present a product to us, uh, the people that that pay for this league. So uh, it's it's a tough situation. I just, I, I guess I just get my, my gears grinded by some of these people who say, you know, like, fuck the owners and, you know, the players are, are the ones that uh, deserve everything. Cause it's not always, that's not always the case. I mean, they, the players are asking for a lot and it's, I don't think any of us know enough to uh, confidently say that the owners are the only people at fault here. But I, and I don't even think it's so binary as hating the owner means you're siding with the player. And I understand you're like, I'm not taking a side, but I don't even think it's that. I think you can hate the owners and it doesn't have to bake into that. I'm siding with the players. Like right. there's financial stuff that I don't understand how business works because I smoke weed all the time and advertise on Facebook for a living. Like, and I'm an idiot, but there's stuff like the 14 playoff teams where it's like, okay, obviously these games drive huge revenue. You get huge TV deals in the playoffs. We just want more playoff games. Even though every baseball fan says it cheapens the regular season and which, I mean, I agree, but that's not like a, that's not like a, we're trying to, barter with the players or or get a bigger piece of this pie than them that's just baseball kind of being like we're just going to do whatever is the best for revenue regardless of the product itself which is a frustration so i as a fan am annoyed with the owners at that mutually exclusive to anything i feel about the player side of it yep no i i agree with you my jimmies are rustled for sure uh ultimately regardless of i mean you can do the the talk of it's the owner's fault. It's the player's fault. But this shit should have been done in December or January. Like the fact that he was talking for months. That's the thing. They, they just put it off, you know, and I don't, the players are like, it, it was the players and the owners are like, well, it was the owners. And like, uh, or 
the other way around players playing, blaming owners, owners, blaming players, but it should have been done like two months ago. So ultimately now we're, we're kind of left to suffer with it. But what I was hoping we'd be able to discuss is, you know, lockouts over here comes the hot stove. So many top-notch free agents, top-notch players like Craig Kimbrell potentially getting traded. Uh, Matt Olson potentially getting traded. Like a lot of these, a lot of these guys are up for discussion. A lot of Craig Kimbrell was your top guy. Well, Craig Kimbrell was the first guy that came to mind. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm like, Whoa, there's, <laughs> there's, there's better guys than that. But like, there are a lot of teams that are in between, like, they have some older veterans and some good young players, but there's a 0% chance they go to the playoffs this season. Um, so, like, what, what moves are they going to make? So, I want to get some top free agent predictions from you guys. It doesn't have to be – I listed some people on the outline. It doesn't have to be these guys. Um, but, like, who, the big splash whenever ultimately the the – players get to actually play baseball again what's the big splash that you anticipate happening first um huck i'll start with you korea i mean that's easy it's just carlos korea uh trevor story those two short stops uh maybe freddie freeman uh those i mean those are the three guys where it's just like you know wherever they go is going to make a monument monumental impact on playoff races and especially if they expand you know these playoffs to 12, 14 teams, whatever, you've got these middling teams that it might be looking for a way to jump into the playoffs that maybe wouldn't have had a chance last year. I mean, if you, I know I might be jumping the ship, but if we're talking about like the Tigers making a move for Carlos Correa, now you have Javi, Javi Baez and Carlos Correa you're looking at a, a realistic shot at eighth, seventh seed. I mean, baseball's always been a game where if you are a bad team, you don't have a chance to make the playoffs usually. Okay, the Marlins making the playoffs a few years ago during that pandemic extended playoff season uh, was like a great story and amazing because the Marlins had no talent on their team or or very little talent on their team. So you know, that's I think that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at something interesting in that. The Yankees are probably going to make it run at some short stops at one of these guys, at whether it be Olsen, like you said, or uh, Trevor Story or Carlos Correa. Uh, they've been usually big players in, in the free agent market. And so those are the things I was looking for to help me out with my, uh, my studying of fantasy baseball, because I think that's what's so exciting about these two weeks. I mean, we planned it so that we have two weeks until our fantasy baseball draft. Unfortunately, what's going to happen is we are going to end up drafting free agents, uh, people that don't have homes. So maybe, maybe. And also just for the record, Matt Olson is a first baseman. Okay. I, I get it. But he, we got to add him into the conversation with Freddie Freeman, who's also a first baseman and these other shortstops. I, I could still see somebody like the Yankees moving people around, Luke, moving Luke Voigt around, moving whoever uh, to, to make room for somebody like Freeman or, or Olson. I saw Twitter buzz today that prior to the lockout, the Orioles made contact with Correa and made him a realistic offer. And to me, that just, like, I don't get me wrong, I'd rather be an Oriole than a Yankee or a Dodger. Um, but it just speaks to, like, 
we might see some signing come out straight out of left field just because a 10-year contract, even if you think your team is two years away from competing, 10-year contract is it fits within that window. So we could see some teams make some wild moves um, over the next couple of weeks, at least if uh, assuming a CBA gets fixed by then. Um, Ethan, who are you excited about free agent wise? What do you what do you think is going to happen? I mean, Huck, you know, said a, a lot of the the names I was, of course, thinking as well. I'm I'm glued to um, the Castellanos um, free agency because he is my second round keeper. So that's obviously a, um, you know, a perspective specific to me. Um, what I'm really interested in is like the format of free agency after the league comes back, if that happens, like the more I'm, I am learning about kind of how things played out in 94 and 95, like I didn't realize I, you know, I knew there were scabs and, and stuff like that. I didn't realize kind of how, uh, how like free agency and hot stove went when, you know, the strike ended at that time or the lockout ended at that time. And it was, it seemed like it was largely like speed dating. And yeah. like, I just think, you know, now maybe it'll be more on zoom, but I just feel like, um, I feel like there's going to be a lot of potentially bad contracts given out because you, if you miss on an outfielder, you're trying to sign the next outfielder is coming in three minutes later. You know, I'm right. making that up, but you know what I mean. And so that's something I, I, that it, I guess it doesn't apply as much to these star players, but I don't want to belabor that point. Like I, I, you know, I'm also interested where Freddie Freeman goes to play and Carlos Correa, but I think that is where I'm really interested uh, for a team like Detroit if they do land uh, a Correa, say, and that's a huge piece for them. Are they gonna Are they gonna be susceptible then to some mistake contracts around him or something like that? I have no, and I'm bullshitting, of course, but that's something I'm very interested to follow it feels like what winter meetings used to be for like free agency and now that's kind of a thing of the past nowadays i i think there's going to be a mad dash i i think it's yeah. going to be like like fast and furious exactly what john talked about on last week's podcast similar to what right. happened after that shortened off season with the nfl where people are just going to start getting signed super quickly just out of nowhere um i'm obviously super interested in the korea stuff because I have Correa and I'm an Astros fan. Um, aside from that, I'm a big, like, like where is Chris Bryant going to go and what position is he going to play? Um, you've got uh, Correa or you've got Kershaw, you've got Rodon, you've got guys like Michael Conforto that are still very much in their prime. Kyle Schwarber, currently not on a team, uh, was a huge player for your team last season, Ethan. So, totally. But I think like Schwarber or Conforto could also be like potential mistake contract guys, which has nothing to do with how they perform. It only has to do with how they perform relative to what they're paid. And like Kyle Schwarber was awesome last year. Kyle Schwarber also only played like, like not 80 games last year. You know what I mean? So for, I think he made like 10, no, he made more than that. But he didn't make, you know, to steal an NBA term, max contract money. But now if he's going to get that kind of money, you know, closer to 
like 20 to 25 million dollars a year and he gets hurt again uh then that's like potential mistake contract conforto i think i'm biased because he was a met this whole time and i fucking hate the mets but he see he i'm always so skeptical of him and then i feel like there's always some advanced metric that favors him but then whenever i see the nats play the mets i'm like this guy is nothing i'll tell you right now the national league has a dh some True. national league team is going to look and go we need to get some shore bombs in the lineup you know like nelson cruz also very much a free agent right now 41 years old can still rake and now can play for more than half the league um so just a lot of interesting options there. I'm going to float some names by you guys. Just real, give me a quick hit of, you know, predict where they sign. You don't have to have big reasons for it, but just tell me where you think they sign, starting with Correa. Um, we're going to go Huck, then Ethan, then I'll tell you who I think uh, they go with. But Correa, where does he end up? Uh, Tigers or the Yankees. Okay. Um, or the Astros. I think those are the only three options you have. I, I, I don't want the Astros to do that. I think we commit to a long-term um, uh, contract that will eventually fall apart and become decrepit uh, in about six or seven years when Correa's numbers start to fall. And you got to people look at Correa and they look at a top five shortstop in the league. I'm not arguing that he's not. I'm, but I, I'm. He's not clearly number one or clearly number two or number three, while when we give these people 10-year contracts, they're usually right in that spot. So, I mean, there have been years where Correa has had an injury-shortened season or has struggled at times. Um, and so right now, I feel like we have the weapons and the wherewithal to go and replace a Korea and put money elsewhere. So I'd rather it not be the Astros. I think the connection between um, the Astros old manager and, and, uh, and, you know, Korea could work out and they move Javi Baez second and they've got that one, two punch in the middle of the infield. Um, unless the Yankees come and just unload a yacht into his backyard I think that, you know, those are the, the front runners. And I, obviously the Yankees are always in the mix for everybody. All right. Um, yeah, that Correa hinge connection is there. Ethan, where's Correa go? I, I was going to predict Houston. I'm not going to claim to be as tapped in on the Astros as you guys are. I just, that's my prediction. I, I, I understand the logic of the Yankees, but then I just also cannot picture him following through on signing with the Yankees. Detroit would be my, I guess it's not a dark horse because they're very on the radar, but they would be my secondary option. But I don't, I don't, I think it's, it's, I think it's more likely Houston than anybody else. I am. I'm going to agree with you there and also say the Astros. I'm, I'm totally happy with the Astros paying him. He's 27 just put up career best numbers across the board. He takes walks. He doesn't strike out too much. He's a team captain in every sense of the word and was the best fielding shortstop in the American League last year. Like it's, you can say he's not the complete package. He's not the clear cut number one overall guy, but I think he is by far the best option for Houston as far as that money is allocated. Um, 
But that's just my opinion. Let's move forward. I'm going to go backwards. Ethan, who signs Freddie Freeman? Whoops, I was on mute. Oh, I have got to imagine it's he just goes back to Atlanta. There's, I just, I don't even really, he, full, you know, doesn't mean it's impossible, but I just don't even humor really any of the rumors involving anything with him leaving Atlanta. I just think there's no way. Okay. Huck, Freddie Freeman, where's he going? I think that he, it's either the Braves, or the Yankees. Um, I'm going to throw the Yankees in every single one of these, just because I think that the Yankees are a kind of team that are so thirsty for a championship that they will literally move anybody around on their team. If they can find talent, if they think that person's more talented, Luke Voigt, you move him to DH, you move Giancarlo to the outfield, make him play some outfield and suffer that, that, uh, those defensive consequences. If you have Freddie Freeman, um, in, in that lineup. So, you know, I, I, I think that they're ob an obvious contender, but again, I agree with Ethan. I think that after a world series, it's really hard to leave a team that puts a pretty good offer on the table, uproot your family, leave a town the year after you won it all. I mean, you're a fan favorite there. You're a, you're a legend. Um, so yeah, I think it's probably the Braves. Yeah, now that they have a chip, I have to imagine he's probably at, at the same level of beloved brave star as Chipper Jones. And that's yeah. just like the, the best hitter from the generation before him is why I say that. But, the, you know, Chipper Jones has one ring and a lot of awards and a lot of great seasons, and he only played for Atlanta. So I, that's, I guess that is the parallel I draw. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's a fine parallel. I'm, I'm totally on board with that. Um, I'm going to go with the Red Sox. I think he signs with the Red Sox. I think they, Man. I, I mean, think about it. They've got Bobby Dalbeck at first base. Um, that's, that's all I'll say. I'm a huge Bobby Dalbeck fan. I, I, you don't say nobody <laughs> had any clue. You had an opinion on him. He yeah. loves those Dal bombs. I think the Red Sox are tired of not competing. And I think Freddie Freeman's that kind of centerpiece that they can sit there and go, all right, now we've got Bogarts, we've got Devers, we've got Freeman. Good luck pitching against us. Also, JD Martinez. Um, so like I yeah, I'm I'm thinking Red Sox just from a I think they stand to benefit the most from him, especially if you're looking at the at what the Braves have going on in the minors and the strength of the rest of their roster and kind of the guys that they're gonna have to pay over the next couple of years. Um don't get me wrong. I, as much as I hated watching the Braves lose, I would love to see Freeman finish as a Brave. Uh, but yeah, Red Sox are my pick. Um, next player, I am going to call out arbitrarily. Let's talk about Chris Bryant. Mm. Chris Bryant, Huck, where's he going? I mean, this is. <laughs> I, I know, I know. Chris Bryant's the less obvious one. I think it could be the Yankees. Um, Yankees, interesting. I know. I think it, I think the Yankees are listen. They're just going to open up. I, I feel like in the a decade ago when baseball was a lot different, um, that the Yankees got everybody they wanted all the time. If we were talking, and so maybe that's just stuck in my brain where it's like if there's a big player 
they're going to go to the Yankees. They want to go to New York. And it happens every once in a while. You've seen it with Giancarlo and you've seen it with, you know, Gallo last year. And you saw it with um, Garrett Cole and whatnot. But again, I think that they can move a lot of things around. Uh, You could at their base, um, you could move over. uh, Who's Gio Rochelle over there? Uh, no, I'm sorry. You move LeMahieu to second. Move Glaber to the bench or free agency. Move like you know, <laughs> move stuff all around so you can make room for somebody like Chris Bryant. Um, I I would be super stunned if the Giants kept him and and made a spot for him. I I just don't think after what the Giants did last year, which is sad. Like we're, I, I wish I was mentioning teams other than the Yankees and other than um, some of these teams. But um, what we just saw with Derek Jeter and him leaving a team because this, I mean, I, the things that flash in my head are just like the Moneyball scene where it's like, we're not going to spend that type of money. We're going to try and win with the money that we've allotted. The Giants are not set up right now. Starting Lamont Wade in right field and Darren Ruff and left um, at Kirk Casale at catcher and Tommy Lestella. This is not a team that's going to like want to spend that kind of money on somebody like Chris Bryant, unless they were like, you know, right there in the, in the playoff mix in the middle of the summer. So they can, you know, go out and make a trade. Um, I, I don't think he's a giant. I don't think the Cubs are looking for a, a reunion because the Cubs are worse off right now than the giants as far as talent's concerned, um, it's probably going to be a different team, probably going to be some kind of wild card team, but, but yeah, I would, I would guess the Yankees number one overall there. Okay. Ethan. I also think it could be a wild card team that is definitely very good right now, but is not maybe considered on like that great tier, if you will. Um, So like Milwaukee is a team that I feel like is emblematic of, of that, I feel like they could make a run at him because they seem to, um, you know, Craig Council being, I guess, maybe because he's a former utility man, he employs, you know, guys in a lot of different positions. He's very flexible with his lineup on a day to day. I feel like not obviously all nine guys, but I think Chris Bryant, somebody that they could get a lot of mileage out of in his multi fat, you know, infield, outfield um, capabilities. Um, Yankees and Red Sox, sadly grown, I think could make a, uh, run at him. I wish Cincinnati would make a run at him. And that's a vague teaser to later in the episode. You guys remember that, (laughs) but, uh, I don't think that they actually will. Um, and then I, I feel like they don't have money to spend, but I feel like they always are spending money. So maybe Anaheim. Because okay. it's just, I feel like they're not as good as the Yankees, but just throwing them in any rumor for a free agent is just as valid as with the Yankees. Like, True. fuck it, Anaheim might throw money at him. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. And yeah, I don't want to cut you off here, but any, you know, obviously we're going to need baseball before we cheer on anything. But if I'm sitting here and I'm watching free agency, obviously I'm going to want the Astros to make some kind of moves to try and, and, win a world series. I mean, our lineup is literally almost the same as it was last year. So I'm not sitting here waiting for somebody specific or being like, Hey, you know, we need this to win or whatnot. But if I'm rooting for free agency, I'm rooting for the Astros first, but second off, just for the game of baseball, 
uh, some of these big names that we're talking about right here. If I see some news like the Royals sign somebody, I'm going to stand up and cheer. I'm going to freak out if some of these clubs are going to try and spend some money to go out and, and, and win some games. I mean, literally, when I was younger, I would look at some of these teams. I didn't even think about the money. I just knew they were bad for so long. I think the Pirates from when I was, you know, from 1990 when they were in the World Series, Barry Bonds and, and whatnot, all the way until after I had left high school in 2006, were just awful. They're terrible. That I didn't hey, think about. Hey, Jason Bay was well, in a home run derby. <laughs> I think he was in a home run derby for the Mets, or maybe he was the Pirates. But... No, it was the Pirates, but he hit no homers. Oh yeah, well that's, that's too bad. <laughs> but it's just it, it's one of those things where I, this team was so bad. How can this team be so bad? Um, now you kind of realize these teams are so bad because they're not even trying. People are coming to the games, they're rooting for these teams, but they're just not even trying. I mean, I know the Miami Marlins have two World Series rings uh, in the last couple decades, uh, or, or a little bit over two decades, but they just don't put a lineup together that competes year after year after year. Um, you know, the, the Orioles have been like that. The, the guardians, man, they have been for decades, you know, one of those teams where it's like, man, if you just had that one more guy, two more guys, you could be, a world series contender and they just haven't really been, I mean, I know they went to the world series a few years ago, but they just haven't really been that year to year team. Um, it's nice to see somebody like the Padres come out and spend some money and, you know, they have a, one of the highest payrolls, if not the highest payroll in the league, but you just want to see some of these low level teams come back and, and, and spend some money on some big guys. So um, that's kind of what I'm rooting for is some surprise didn't see that coming. I loved Hoppy Bias to the Tigers. Um, just I want more, more of that. But there's, I mean, there's a context around the Tigers are, are you know, the pendulum is swinging up for them. They're on the side of the rebuild. They're not getting worse to get better. They're in the getting better of getting better now. You know, like, so they're a different type of bad team bringing in a, a big name player than, say, um, I mean, shit, even like Washington, who I really believe like in the plan of their rebuild, uh, we have some deferred money right now that we kind of need to rebuild anyway, but like they are, they're getting worse right now. You know what I mean? They're yeah. not, they have not bottomed out. So there's, I feel like there's differences in, in that sense. If you, if you, I feel like, you know, with the Royals, they, before their world series back to back, they didn't go to the playoffs for like. 30 years a lot of that is is not trying but a lot of that not trying is involved in the farm system and it's not just money spent at the major league level like the reason the marlins i guess the marlins are are a unique circumstance because they, they will actively bring up mike slash john carlos stanton and christian yelich and then just get rid of them with years of club control left that's really yes. act the royals and the orioles and shit don't do that yeah. you know but uh, I feel like the A's do that to a certain extent as well. They, I mean, yeah, and the A's are are yeah. Well, I, but but the A's in Tampa do that, but they make it work. So they have right. They've earned a benefit of the doubt in how they operate. That obviously, like I mean, like you said, Miami's won two World Series. But fun fact, they've never won the NL East ever in their existence. Damn. But they have two World Series. 
but well, don't be confused. They're a shit ass franchise. I mean, Rays don't of the time. Rays don't have a World Series either. A's haven't been to the World Series in in uh, since you know I was born. Yes, yeah, since so, they used to actually spend money. Right. So I mean, we're we're talking about teams that you know have have competed, and so I'm not necessarily saying that the same six teams or seven teams compete every year because obviously baseball is a more you know. Uh, uh, diverse sport than that as far as talents talent wise but you'd like as far as free agent signing as far as these big guys you usually see them go to the same spots over and over if you've got one of these small market teams usually they're homegrown usually they're there or they find some renaissance player who uh refound their 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 stroke or their their pitch you know later on in their 30s or in their mid 30s so you know, it would be fun to see the Pittsburgh Pirates. Not going to happen, but the Pittsburgh Pirates say, "Hey, we signed Chris Bryant. Let's let's do some let's let's make some magic." Uh, it's not going to happen, but it'd be it'd be fun to see. I'll tell you right now, Bryant's a giant. Okay, he's going to remain a giant, and let me tell you why. Um, the Giants' top two contracts come off the books after this season. It's Evan Longoria, who I think will just be delighted to be a DH this season and Brandon belt, who's getting paid 18.4 million this season as a lefty in that lefty hating ballpark. I think Chris Bryant stays because they've got the money as far as the luxury tax uh, goes. I mean, they could spend another 70 million and still be safe. Um, But I don't understand why they wouldn't with what they've gotten out of Mike Ustremski uh, on a freaking bargain contract. They've they're it's the second coming of Anthony Desclafani. All of a sudden, Alex Wood looked good there. Brandon Crawford is a very good shortstop. Like this is a team that even though they're in one of the toughest divisions of baseball was as competitive as like for, did they finish the season with the best record in the league? Yeah, they did. Yes. So like, what do we, you know, it's, I don't see the reason aside from just being cheap, but as far as a team that comes out of the strongest division in the league and ends up putting up the best record in the league, I don't see a reason for them not to try to keep what worked together. Chris Bryant's only 30 years old. If they want to let Longoria keep playing third this season, they could tuck him away in left field and take Lamont Wade off the field, um, at least on a regular basis. Like, Chris Bryant comes with a lot of flexibility and looked, I mean, he had a really rough year in 2020 with the Cubs and then looked pretty outstanding for the Giants last year. I'd I'd say don't mess with it. Um, They've had access to him for longer than other teams have. I'd get something in place, bring him back. I know that the, the GM of the Giants is the old executive for the Dodgers. He's been pretty aggressive about stuff. Trevor texts about it constantly in the group text. I, I think Bryant's same put. If you want to win, you don't take Lamont Wade off the field ever. Oh, it's bold. It's bold point. Um, I mean, he, he had an 808 OPS last year. It wasn't, I mean, it's not awful. But then again, a lot of the small time giants, Stephen Duggar, uh, <coughs> to Austin Slater, when they played, they played well. They, they, they were, you know, great baseball players. Darren Ruff. I mean, Brandon Belt had a great year offensively. Yep. Um, I don't know if, the Rays do this year after year. Um, I don't know if that's sustainable because no one's ever afraid of the Rays. They just win games. 
you, you're not afraid of the Giants looking at this roster. I fancy wise, I'm looking at three offensive guys tops that I want on my team, like at all. And so let me tell uh, you, if one of them's Buster Posey, I've got bad news for you. Okay. Yeah, he not. is, he's retired. Yeah. Anyways, let's, uh, let's, I, clearly you guys didn't listen to last week's podcast. Um, so let's, let's push on, let's put a bow on that. And I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about this, but there was a, there's been a, a lot of feedback, both in private text and in the group text about some of the rule change talk we had last week. And the two big ones are draft attendance and draft seating. Um, and I know both of you have opinions on this. Huck, I'll start with you. You know what we're b- voting on for draft attendance. Mm-hmm. Like whether, you know, uh, should people have to come to the draft? What kind of penalties should they be if they don't come to the draft? Things like that. Like what? what's your opinion on this? Because now, you know, prior to last week's podcast, we had two people not coming. And it was Chris and Tony. And then that night, right after we recorded, Brad said, well, <laughs> right. my wife said I can't go. And we were like, ah, Brad. Got away with it just as soon as the podcast ended. So 13 out of 16 isn't bad, but a big part of this league is trying to get people like we're all friends. Like this is a a fun league because of the people, not because of the rules. So part of that is all of us being at the draft together and like Tony, I haven't seen in person in nine or 10 years. Uh, Chris, most of you have probably only met once in person you know, Brad, we all know a little too well, but it would still be nice to have him there. So, Huck, what are your thoughts on the draft attendance rule change suggestions, and, and how do you think it's going to go? The people that you want to, and this kind of pertains to what we're talking about, the people that you want to get this information through to, because this isn't going to change. The, I mean, with Brad, that's one thing. It's it's he made a mistake. He made a Brad mistake. This is the kind of mistake Brad makes a lot. Is plan something, pay for something, don't communicate with your wife, you know, have a schedule mix up, stuff like that. Um, Brad will absolutely attend next year. He will absolutely attend this year if something happens where you can convince. Brad's not an attendance problem. Okay, I see Brad uh, weekly, if not biweekly. Just I see him a lot. He's out and about. Okay, he's not avoiding anything. Now the other two, they're not going to listen to this podcast. You're not going to hear from them. They are avoiding this draft as we as we see it now. They're avoiding this draft because there's never been any consequence to not. Okay, so Chris does not. He cares more about his fantasy baseball team than he does the players he's playing against us. Okay, which is great. And I feel like Tony feels the same way, which is fine. That's great. If we were playing in a competitive league where we never met each other and whatever, and we're playing for money every year, that's fine. Got it. It's just like, that's just like if we're playing poker online, okay, against each other, against some random people. All right, we're trying to win. But the difference is this is a fantasy baseball league that we take pride in putting our name on the trophy and getting our name on the trophy more than one time. This isn't just a cash grab where we're trying to win money. So we care about the draft. We care about getting together. We care about pride. We care about, uh, you know, a full long baseball season, which obviously that's not going to happen at this point. Um, we, we care about all those things. Um, 
it, it makes this time of year special for us. So if you don't agree with that, the biggest thing that needs to be addressed is maybe you are in the wrong kind of fantasy league. And if you say, but I love the rules. I love the, the setup. I love everything like that. Um, I just don't want to attend the draft. Well, I'm sorry. This It's all one package. Okay. The reason this is fun to a lot of us is because we get to play against our family members and friends and whatever. And I'm very competitive and beat them and whatever and repeat next year or do our best. Um, so I think that <laughs> I hate to bring up like sanctions against Russia here or something like that, but we need to charge them into oblivion. This is should be the last year. If you don't want to attend the draft, that's fine. But we are not going to pay extra so that you can't attend. I just want to jump in and say the paying extra part doesn't bother me that okay, much. Okay, okay, sure. It's, 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 it's a principal thing. Person. It's a the principal thing, that, thing. The thing that bothers me the most, which I've I've been very vocal about, I'm not gonna I'm not interested in kicking people out for not attending the draft. Um, but I will say Zoom calls suck and having to cater to Zoom calls sucks. Like yes. having having that computer there, I'm drunk all weekend long at the draft. So and you can't hear people. There, can't hear them running the board. Oh my gosh, they're not in front of the computer anymore. The rule change night, Friday night, that discussion by itself, I'll be honest, if you're on Zoom, you're just not going to get a word in. It takes a really long time as well. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You you add that, that Zoom part of it. That's what I don't like. I just want us all to be together in one spot, not having to worry about communicating but, outside parties but the, th the thing right now is that the people that don't attend the draft look at it as well i don't attend the draft nothing bad happens to me i get to do everything everybody else gets to do and in addition to that i don't have to travel i can sit on my ass i can wake up in my own bed and, and I can sit draft in front of a computer for eight hours and sit in whatever you, if you know it's not your pick you can walk away you do whatever like you, you could even travel. You could even go somewhere else. You could go about your day and just start doing whatever. And there is no consequences to that. And a lot of people would pick that over traveling, taking the weekend off, doing whatever to hang out. And if that's the what you want to do, then that's fine. But you shouldn't be in our league. So my proposal is that even if people choose not to go, and you're right, maybe you shouldn't kick people out. If you want to get, if, if somebody chooses to leave or says, Hey, I'm not going to pay for this. Cause right now I'm paying, you know, a hundred dollars for the league and, and $150 for some place that I'm not going to uh, be at. And I'm with a bunch of people who, you know, I never talked to it, This just isn't for me. If that's the way they feel, then they can go ahead and, and, and uh, you know, go their own way. I don't think you should kick people out, but I think you should absolutely put some kind of sanction on them to say, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to have to do something here. And so you got to pay um, if, if no matter if you go or not, um, Brad's already done that this year. And so, you know, he knows that he made a mistake and I, I feel like the others should uh, follow suit and I would love to see their response. If you, Brought that up to him. Well, okay, you're not going. That's fine. We're, we won't bother you about it. We won't say anything. 
I'm still going to need 120 bucks, whatever that is. And see what how their demeanor changes about our league and going and whatever. And if it goes towards, it's worth it. $120, there you go. I'm going to draft a hell of a good team. Or fuck this, you know? For what it's worth, I'm I'm for that rule of of people paying regardless. Um, I like. I I'm not going to call it a sanction. First of all, because it's just a, not the time. Sorry, it's on the brain. Yeah, it's I on the brain. You. I got you. It's a it's a rule change of sorts. But I, I will tell you, I'm I'm a little. It's been tiring defending people that don't say anything about it in the group text. Um, oh, I'm, like if, I'm yeah, I'm done with that. Like They'll respond I, to certain things, but they won't respond to this. They'll just, yeah. I'm not going to be confrontational. I'm just going to say nothing. I'm usually pretty confrontational, but I've talked to each of the, of the people on the side and it's just not like uh, part of it is, oh, things came up and part of it is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm busy. And, but at the end of the day, you're sitting in front of a computer for eight hours one way or another. And if you're not, then I don't know what to do. You know, Ethan, What's uh? Are you are you on the same page as Huck with the draft attendance thing, or what are your thoughts? I mean, yeah, I don't want to, you know, belabor any points, and I don't want to make it seem like not coming to the draft is the most flagrant thing in the world. But it does bum me out because I think, like Huck said, the thing that he said that I agree with the most is like this: this league presents an an incredible challenge for people that are really devoted baseball fans, but that is not, you know, the only appeal of it anymore. It's not like random people online or like people that, um, you know, like uh, a workplace league, like this is like a, you know, it's a friend's league. I like to think that even with somebody like Matt, who I've only met once ever, he couldn't have been nicer last year. He'll, but you know, he'll, but he busted my balls to the group text earlier today. Like I we're buddies, even though we've only met once because we engage in the social element of the league as much as we do in the competitive wanting to be the smartest baseball fan side of the league. And so I, you know, I just wish everybody brought that energy. I feel like Chris and Tony, like you said, they are in it more for the, the challenge of the league. And that's, totally fine. I also think though, if we start kicking people out, it starts to undo exactly what I was just talking about where, you know, we have a social fabric in the league and I don't want to start cannibalizing it over something so petty. The money really doesn't bother me either. I just wish that there was more, more dedication to the social element of the league. If people have seen the show, the league, which is about a fantasy football league, I would compare Tony and Chris in my mind to like the quote unquote, the out of town idiots, like people that they just didn't cast in the show, but they needed there to be more teams in the league. So there's just an understanding that there's these people that you never hear from that are just managing teams somewhere else. And the main characters sometimes face them. And like, yeah, Tony and Chris set their teams. They've both made the playoffs numerous times. They, but they're the out of town idiots that it's just like, they're just operating in the background and once, maybe twice a year, you, you happen to draw them in a matchup. But I've right. said before, you can find anywhere. Somebody set their lineup every day. We can find random strangers that we don't know to set their lineups every day. That is not, we, that is not a criteria to be like, Hey, set the lineup every day. Let's keep them in. Um, and when you're talking about social fabric, I totally agree. 
the problem is they're not involved in social fabric. Social fabric in the league kind of involves talking face to face every once in a while, um, or talking at all, involving yourself in a text message, like doing something, and then I'll do that. If we wanted somebody to set a lineup every week, um, I could probably find find one of those tomorrow. You know, like well, we have a, a quality. I feel like waiting list. Oh yeah, we've I know got you have four people. Yeah, I know you have people. We, you know, the notorious JMO's fiance, people in the basketball league know Brennan, who was a high school baseball player and would be just as I think good at baseball as he is at fantasy basketball. We, we've got a list, so that's not the issue. But mm-hmm. I don't want to be like I've gotten really frustrated with it and like privately thrown little hissy fits to Max, just like venting my frustrations of like I just wish that like it doesn't even have to be every year. The rule change I submitted was come once every other year or at least have a good sincere reason why you couldn't make it within two years. I just, cause I'm going to go every year. I mean, at least right now, I easy for me to say, I don't have kids or anything like that. I'm going to go every year. Ideally, I would just love everyone to go at least once every other year. Now, Max, you have been talking about logistical things as a commissioner that didn't occur to me because I'm not the commissioner. So that is totally fair on the zoom maintenance, but just at least every other year, just come and let's have some beers and talk about baseball. And like, if we have a couple beers together and then it's the next time we text about trade, it's going to be totally different. If we've just hung out once that, mm-hmm. in my opinion, then and like the important part to consider in all this is this is not coming from a place of God, we hate you. It's coming from a place of, we want to party with you. Like right. coming, like that's where there's a lot of negative stuff being thrown around. Oh man, they need to do this or give us their money. But like, ultimately we all just want to hang out. Like that's, that's all this is coming from. And we're trying to force that. And at one way or another, it's going to, it's going to come to a head. So my hope is that uh, my hope this year was we'd have 16 people. My hope is that next year we'll have 16 people at the draft and it's the exact same people that are in the league now. And I, you know, there's nothing holding us back from that aside from what people want to do. Amen. So the other uh, hot button issue that I've gotten, this is mostly texting behind the scenes about, but I want to let you guys know some details around the the draft seating. Um We've talked about doing a draft lottery for uh, teams that didn't make the playoffs to discourage tanking and awaiting it so that the team that gets in ninth has a much better shot than the team that gets in 16th. It just, there's no incentive to get 16th anymore. Um, John has been, you know, whipping some votes trying to say all teams, playoff teams included, let's get a lottery for everybody. I think that's (laughs) stupid, but if you want to vote for it, that's great. The important thing though, for draft seeding this year, if we do go through with it, if it ends up saying, all right, we're going to do a lottery this year, as you know, we have the rule change, rule change, rule change rule. Um, We wouldn't, as commissioner, I would have to step in and say, first of all, for this year only, there is no waiting of, of the everybody gets one ping pong ball if you didn't make the playoffs because we didn't come up with this rule last year nobody was playing under under these expectations last year it's a new thing and everybody that didn't make the playoffs has an equal shot so for all we know kevin who's currently projected to get number one overall pick could still have a top three pick um maybe he gets screwed over and gets eight whatever but i wouldn't even if the rule passes there's no waiting for this year on top of that 
um, if we agree that there is there, there's a need for a draft lottery, the vote for whether or not it should actually be uh, a thing this year, if you didn't make the playoffs, you don't get a vote for that. And the and there's a reason why. Like Ethan and I, for instance, uh, I think Ethan is currently projected to get the eighth pick, and I'm I I finished in ninth. Right, I finished uh, with the same record as our champion. I'm not bitter at all. <laughs> so you're like, if we did the this rule change, it would really benefit you. I finished in tenth. If we did this rule change, it would really benefit me. And. On the opposite end, you got, you know, Victor, Sutton, and John, and rule changes shouldn't happen based off of that. So I feel like a lot of John's rule changes are very, very capitalistic. John, John-centric? Ca- well, capitalistic yes. in that, like, they just want to ruin the people who have been bad for so long. Yeah. Um, you know, as a, in the fan using capitalistic well, no, purely fantasy football term or fantasy baseball term. Um, but, but I, I think that he does not consider that these teams have not been good and really need these top picks. Well, you and, see that Sutton was in the championship two years ago and then yeah, got lost. I'm going to say having played competitive dynasty format, fantasy sports and football, basketball and baseball with a lot of you guys, if, your if the quality of just your first round pick in a vacuum in any of those leagues makes or breaks your whole season, then you're you probably didn't draft very well. In yeah, fantasy football, uh, I disagree. In fantasy football, okay, maybe fantasy number- football. I got the number one pick, and I in our inaugural year where we did it random, and I got Mahomes. So that's easy for me to say. But yeah. now in basketball, we're not as far in, but at least we're beyond year one with having keepers. Like it's not. I, you know, I would stand to pick eighth right now, and I'm cool just picking eighth. I just want the the lottery for the future because it's an anti-tanking mechanism. That's why I also think it's silly that John, I mean, he's totally in his purview to to try and whip votes for this, but uh, I also said, no, I don't think it should be involving all 16 teams because no one's going to try. It's not like the real life NBA where you don't want to actually be the eight seed. You'd rather be in the draft lottery. Like if you're the chase was the eight seed and he just won other eight seeds have won. So no one's trying to tank out of the playoffs to be in the lottery. So we don't need it as an anti-tanking mechanism for playoff teams. We just need it so that people don't have any, you know, incentive to John and Kevin did last year, which was not flagrant tanking, but it was definitely not the most aggressive endeavor to win any given oh, week. Oh my gosh. Like, so I, I don't want to um, entertain this anymore and I don't want to make anybody mad. I'm never going to say that John and Kevin and Victor were tanking by any means. I'm not going to say that because Obviously, they're very sensitive to that. Both John here, and Kevin are very sensitive to that. Here comes the no, butt. no, but but I will say, <laughs> I will say on their mind. I was like, yes, I understand the the, the syntax of exactly what's happening. Right on cue, on their mind, they thought next year I will be much better than I am this year, and I will get a better pick. And so they played the game like that last year, and John did that. And so what I vote, if I'm going to vote for this rule and this lottery uh, drawing, 
I will, because I agree, I don't think playoff teams should be touched at all. I don't think Chase should have a shot in the world of having any better pick but 16th. Um, but I think it should happen next year. I think Kevin is locked in at that number one pick this year. I think that if he tanked and we had not come up with a rule for him not tanking prior to this, he deserves to have number one pick. We're not going to change it just after a year of letting him do that. We're not going to change it. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's, that's my, that was, no, that I, my I agree. Point. I think the rule change rule change should still be in effect and the lottery should not happen until the 2023 draft because of the complication. And then that way, ideally it would allow non-playoff teams, Max, like you and I to be able to vote because it wouldn't affect our current draft anyway. And, you know, we're planning on making the playoffs next year. So, well, but that's, so there's going to be three stages of this one. Do we vote it's that it should happen? I think that's going to pass very quickly. The yeah, second same. part of it is going to be, should it happen this year? And again, the only way it happens this year is unweighted. unweighted. Next year, it would be weighted. But Huck, out of the three of us, is the only one that can vote. Um, on that, that part, yeah. On that part. And he's already said he's voting to keep it the same. So if three other people decide to keep it the same, I think I'm going to take a tie and go, okay, it's going to it's going towards not changing. You need a majority to change. That. Yeah, to change a precedent of the rule change, rule change that already exists. Right. So... Uh, like and then that's it like that's that's the that's the whole voting side of it we will be bringing an apparatus to help us with a lottery if need be and if it ends up going unused that's fine there will be uses for it in the future yes um, it's going to be neat little little sidetrack i uh so i initially ordered this bingo ball apparatus and let me tell you, the most disappointed, or what had to have ended up being the most disappointed porch pirate ever, <laughs> ended up grabbing it um, and took it home with him. And now he can play bingo or do whatever he wants with it. And I got a refund from Amazon. So, Ethan, I will be Venmoing you for the replacement apparatus. Yeah, no worries. I was happy to contribute to <laughs> the OG anyway. I haven't been porch pirated at this new house yet, knock on wood, but now I'm like very paranoid about it. Imagine uh, getting home and being like, "Man, what is is this a Nintendo Switch? Is it like a like a like a air fryer or something? No, it's a bingo ball machine. Yeah. Oh, I feel like you just robbed an old <laughs> without lady. the balls, right? right Zero no ping balls. pong balls in there. Just the fucking crank and the globe thing. What are you gonna do with that? <laughs> so, all right. So that oh, Lord. that's enough rule change talk. Let's talk about keepers. They were submitted Sunday. Uh, I <laughs> I was ready to, I was building the draft board at like 10 or 11 in the morning. Everybody else had submitted, but Brad and Brad was just being super duper cool and saying, I'm not going to submit until later tonight because I'm Brad. And he ended up submitting at like nine, which is why there were a lot of errors on the draft board. I was kind of rushing to get it out because like, oh, sorry, babe, I'm, I'm going to change this so that people can get their stuff. Um but keepers are in, and we now look at the teams that people have before the draft, and I want to know where you guys think people stand right now, starting with uh, give me your top three teams, just purely from a keeper perspective, and it's not just the players they have, but where they have them. Who's set up to succeed before the draft has started? Um, Huck, I'll start with you. 
I think John is. That's the obvious answer. I mean, he's built his team to be like this. I mean, Wander Franco, from a standpoint of, uh, you know, MLB, is rookie of the year favorite coming in. He's got him in the 11th round. Um, he, he traded a lot for Mookie Betts. He got Mookie Betts in the fourth, which is always good value. Mike Trout is still in the best player of in baseball MVP Here, conversation, you wanna, you back up your mic just a little bit. Oh, my too loud. Yeah. Oh, it, it got real. It up changed there. from earlier. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was yeah I had to unplug it uh, so I could be a little wireless. There's this better. Yeah. Okay. Jared Kellenick, Turner. Um, he's got some questionable pitchers there at Severino and Bauer at the end. Um, and O'Neill Cruz, who's scheduled at the moment to be the starting second baseman for the Pirates. Um, and probably the largest second baseman in the history of baseball. Oh, my God. Yeah, but, I mean, his team is set up pretty good. He's got a three uh, picks uh, between or a one, two, three, then Mookie, and then five and six, and then Mike Trout. I mean, you can't really ask for more than that. So as long as his draft goes decent, um, he can definitely reverse the tanking that he did last year. I mean, yeah, he's definitely number one, but give me a two and three. And it doesn't have to be in that order. But who do you think, uh, like, I asked you for three. John right. is absolutely the obvious one. Yeah, I was, I, I'll save it when it comes around to me later. I also had John number one. Yeah. I don't really, I haven't really ranked people, but I will tell you somebody I really like. And you're going to be like, what? What? That's, uh, what? Are you serious? And it's Shalom, I, y'all. What? <laughs> I really like Victor's team. No, I really I, like what he did at the end of I last year. I had Victor year. in my bottom three, but I actually have a note that says, shows how good everyone's keepers are. But I actually had Victor in my bottom three, so that's interesting that you say that. I love his keepers. I think that um, he traded for Lewis and Edmund from me last year. And Lewis was like one of those players where I kept trying to convince people he's going to be great because I mean, if, if you traded for Lewis's value two years ago, you're trading for rookie of the year type talent. He's in the second round. He's hopefully hundred percent healthy playing for a team. That's super intriguing. It's pretty good value. I mean, there too. Um, but as you get later, Madrigal was somebody that I really, really wanted. Uh, yeah, a couple awesome. of years ago. He's awesome. He's just a great baseball player. And now he's starting for second at second base for the Cubs. I really like him. I mean, this is, Cubs is one of those super interesting teams that I really am intrigued by going into the year as far as fantasy is concerned. Um, Trent Grisham. I mean, these are the kind of players that I tried. Uh, these are my kind of players. This is the, year, the, the players that I tried to um, grab all year long. Somebody that can constantly... Uh, fill up double and triple uh, categories, play multiple positions uh, late in the draft, play for a team that puts up a fuck ton of runs in the Padres. Um, I love Trent Grisham, and if, as long as he hits leadoff for that team, he's going to be a great fantasy asset. Jazz Chisholm uh, was awesome uh, for the for the Marlins last year, and I think that in the 20th round, you can't find better value. Obviously, Judge in the 21st, who's been his best keeper for so long, you know, I just, I really like everything that he's done. Um, obviously, his team last year, besides the skeleton that we see here, was absolutely abysmal, which is why he got second to last. But if he can, like, not, who was the pitcher they picked from the Cubs last year? 
Oh, Zach God. Davies. Yeah, Zach Davies. Davies. If he cannot fuck his team up and pick Zach Davies up high, or or really do some research and come out and say, "Here's my game plan," um, in those four through eight rounds, which is extremely important to him. I mean, this is a team that can definitely compete in the playoffs. Um, so I really like his team. Um, but I think Kyle Lewis is the worst keeper in the draft. Really, I do. Second but round, you've only well, seen because one. it's in the second round. He's not, right. he's not the worst player that was kept. No, I think worst Kyle, keeper. Kyle Lewis is oh. going to bat sub two fifty and probably hit twenty five homers in a really interesting lineup. But he's not a second round pick. Let That's alone still twenty round. plus bases. He's a twenty twenty guy. I, I we'll is see. He? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's a guy that. But he'd base. also go probably second or third round in a redraft. Uh, maybe third maybe. round. Maybe yeah. he would go. He would go probably lower in a redraft. But what I'm saying is, if you if yes, you you could have got him in the fourth or whatever. But he got him in a trade last year, and uses him as a keeper. It's not a terrible keeper. I like Kyle Lewis going forward. Um, so if you want to guarantee that you have him, there you go. And, I love the Edmund him. keeper. I love the Tommy Edmund keeper for every reason. It's it's a that was a trading for him was a great move last year, but. I don't love the Kyle Lewis thing. That being said, even with Kyle Lewis being the worst keeper, I still think Victor has top eight keepers. I, he's not one of my bottom three. Um, yeah. Ethan, I'm going to cut you off. I'm going to give my top three. I can't help myself right now. Do it. I never I never gave my top three. You gave John, and then you talked about two other teams. I didn't. I talked about Yeah, yeah I, it's, okay. you, I just I'll throw this in there because it's the obvious, the person that does not put any effort in this league but is constantly in the championship or winning championships is only because of his keepers brad's team is still yeah very good very good paul salvador perez bryce hopper christian javier in the in the 10th is not terrible by any means austin riley which is an accidental 15th pick that he that he just kind of snuck in francisco lindor in the 17th the the guardians closer in the 18th uh, you know, Corbin Carroll's the, probably one of the top Diamondback prospects. And then Freddie Peralta, who had an amazing year last year, has his last pick. I, I mean, it's Brad's dumb. He's a dumb dumb. Okay. He has no idea what he's doing in baseball. He's put together this, these keepers, and he's really, they've been untouched for multiple years. They're, they're the best. You say that Brad drafted Austin Riley in the 15th, uh, had him as a keeper there for one season after that and then dropped him as a keeper and then redrafted him in the 15th. And then he blows up like it's, genius, genius, it's genius, genius, genius. Um, okay. So my, obviously John is in my top three. He tanked, he did the thing. He's, he's got the team. Um, Matt is someone that was a top three keeper guy for me last season. Still is this season. Uh, two great prospects toward the end of the draft. And also, you know, Juan Soto, Shane Bieber, Xander Bogarts, uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr., and Charlie Morton, who didn't retire, which was a surprise to me, mm-hmm. as well as his boyfriend Byron Buxton. Like it's that is a uh, he's got a lot of early round picks, but that is a stout base to build off of. But my third, my number three team is gonna it's gonna send you for a loop. I think um, Adam has got some keepers, like and. Some of these guys he's had for a really long time, but I think it's it's just good timing on some of them and some good moves last year to get a few of them. Like 
He got Rizzo and Cronenworth last year. Clevenger is going to be healthy again. He got bomb last year. Uh, Franny Reyes is what he is, just a home run machine for the Guardians in the 17th. But now we're going to see Casey Mize after he's hopefully matured a little bit. You're probably going to see Sixto for the Marlins this year. Um, Max Kepler is way better than he played last year. He was injured. He's got torque in the fifth in what could be an interesting lineup there with the Tigers. Uh, Won't see him until probably the summer. if Probably. And and when he does come up, what position does he play? Because he's probably already got Max Muncy at third, Cronenworth in one of the middle infield spots. So, or he's got Alec Baum at third too. So he's in no Muncy plays a lot of different positions. I know. I know. But he's, he's in no hurry to get Torque called up. But once he does, it should be exciting. All of this with his first four keeper rounds available, as well as those valuable 10th through 14th. I think it's the prime, like uh, relief pitcher or, you know, dark throw starting pitcher who has potential rounds. Um, I think Adam who has had, I think some bad injury luck over the years, as well as just some bad homerism for the former Indians. Now guardians kind of derail him a little bit. I think he's set up this season better than ever before. I think it's like if he drafts well, he should. It's not whether or not he's a playoff team. It's what CD is. Yeah. Him and Brad are the only uh, teams with the top four rounds open. So, Yeah, they'll be able to do a lot of drafting. I'll tell you what, I would bet that Adam drafts better in the first four rounds than Brad does. And I say that having complimented Brad's early rounds a lot last year. You know, and and it's unfortunate that he's going to not come to the draft because I was looking forward to brainwashing Brad on the way up to the draft. Draft just you know just totally sabotage him. Yeah, this is the year for Kyle Hendricks to blow up. Um, Ethan, give us your top three. I've cut you off. You're prepared. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> so John's in my top three. I'm surprised Noah said Chuck. Um, I think there's a lot of teams that have stacked up star power. I think few have it as, uh, I don't want to say backloaded, but kind of spread out and above redraft value as Chuck does. Like his only picks in the top 10, he is two keepers in the top 10 rounds and they're in rounds four and eight and they're Garrett Cole and George Springer. And Chuck is obviously going to draft well. So that's very scary. Justin Verlander is back this year. Um, Corbin Burns in the 22nd round, you know, we've talked about, um, a lot of people have either an NA in the 22nd round or have like a, a great player in the 22nd round that's inspired all the other ones of us to have NA. So like, um, obviously Corbin Burns is in the latter camp along with like a Starling Marte, Freddie Peralta, Ozzy Albies, et cetera. Uh, but Corbin Burns might be the best of all of them. So, I don't think he's the best single keeper in the draft, but he is a very high ranking keeper on a team that again, only has two keepers in the top 10 rounds in there, Gary Cole and George Springer. So I think Chuck is keeper wise is set up to be very dangerous as always. Um, Matt has a ton of star power. His is a little more front loaded round wise, which um, gets also counterbalanced with a guy like Vlad Guerrero in the 12th, but you see what I mean? Like it doesn't, there's, I think you all know, I love Juan Soto just as much as him, but Juan Soto in the first is of course, you're going to keep him in the first 
plays in the first. So there's things like that that give me a, a, a nod to Chuck. Obviously, both those teams are dangerous, and Matt was in first most of last year. Um, I think Brad is the other team in my top three, but we've already talked about him. So to kind of get more teams in the mix, I do um, I do also like, obviously, the late-round keepers on Levi's team, which has been um, – we'll see what Levi's effort level is this year, but uh, – you know, having Aaron Nola, Tatis, and Albies all 18th round and later is pretty, pretty good. Um, the rest of his keepers are abysmal. They're terrible. Well, I don't know about a bit. I, I don't agree with all of his picks, but I don't know that Zach Wheeler's abysmal. I don't know that Justin Turner is abysmal. But again, he has three incredible players in the last <laughs> five rounds. Hey, Teoscar is, is a legitimate player. I know you have 40 plus home runs in the third, but we are talking and I know we're going to do our worst, the worst. Are we going to do our worst, the worst? We're going to do the worst, the worst. I'm not trying to foreshadow, but we kind of, yeah. No, it's, (laughs) this is the natural flow. Yeah. I, so you're, I feel like you're. I'm itching to say my worst, the worst. Levi is in your bottom three. Let's, let's just name one. Name, name the team that you think, man, they better draft well. Which, uh, Ethan, you you mentioned your top three, right? Or at least three competitors. Yes. Okay. So, Huck, tell us who's who's the bad. Who's who's the real, real bad? I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna rattle off three. You said one. I'm gonna rattle off three. Rattle. Okay. Okay. Levi is yes. He has one of the best players in baseball Oof. in the 19th round, and Ozzy Albies in the 22nd. I whatever his 15th, 16th pick. Uh, Taylor Trammell is not listed as part of. Okay, so when you're looking at the top 100 prospects for the uh, Mariners, obviously Taylor Trammell is not going to be on there because he doesn't even qualify as a rookie anymore, right? Well, he's not on the starting lineup and he doesn't show us the depth chart of uh, the Mariners as well. So that means that Taylor Trammell is just a minor leaguer that you have kept in the 16th round. He is not a prospect, nor he is he on the major league roster. He is just a minor leaguer that you draft in the 16th round. Okay. <laughs> Jeter Downs is um, not a terrible pick by any means, um, but a very early pick. Jeter Downs was drafted, what, two years ago? He's a very early pick for that kind of talent um, who's that young. So you're wasting a 15th round pick every year for probably another two or three years on somebody who may not be even worth a 15th. 15 round pick himself that's just my thoughts um jose arquiti is like the fourth starter for the astros i like arquiti he's great but he was somebody that we didn't feel great about giving the ball to in the playoffs he's not ninth round material when you look at the pitchers that came after him even last year um in the draft you've got so much more talent i don't think that's a great pick uh luke voigt and justin tunner t oscar hernandez Decent, just not nothing makes me be like, whoa, that's a good value. Like Luke Voigt may have gotten draft around there. I think Justin Turner's right in the spot he should be. I think Teoscar Hernandez is right in the shot spot he should be. So I don't think he like has any value anywhere there. He's safe by his last three keepers. The rest is garbage. Um, then I will go to and Chase is gonna think I'm attacking him personally. 
He won the championship last year. Congratulations, Chase. You have a good team, a great team. Like, fine. Jordan in the first round is a great pick. I hope for Astros' sake he stays uh, healthy, but he's had problems of that, uh, you know, in in the past. I think Wilson Contreras, fine keeper just because catcher sucks. Framber Valdez, decent keeper at that spot. I probably would have kept him in the 11th, but Brandon Nemo may or may not start every day in the outfield. Um, maybe a part-time guy. Tristan Casas is not, I mean, he's a decent uh, third base prospect. Again, 15th round. Um, I'm never a big fan, and this is just a personal opinion, of ha- spending early, late picks on pitchers who uh, are coming up who are in their teens. He did that with Matthew Liberator last year, and he's holding on to him now. I, I think that there's, Chase's big thing this year that he needs to concentrate on for not just winning this last year, but winning more years going forward is like drafting well people prospects who are coming up because I don't think he's ever done that well ever. You see what Chase doesn't understand about winning a championship that Huck does. <laughs> I know, no, I'm I'm just saying he won a championship and and I started that out like that. But what I'm saying is I think that to com- to have the best keepers. We're talking about who has the best keepers. I'm not saying Chase's team is going to be awful. He's, he's not going to playoffs. Two NAs. He's Whatever. got two NAs. There are guys that I have get zero. It. I get it. You're right. Libertor and Casas is just not on the same level as some other people's NAs. They just aren't. Um, and lastly, um, let's see. Oh, I'm going to go with Trevor. I, I have to go with Trevor. I think is it because of Heliot? Is it Heliot? That Heliot really, Heliot really gets me. Or Helio. Um, he, in the eighth round, picking somebody who's not even in the, the Giants' top five prospects is rough. That is rough. So and you, I, we know I he's a Giants homer. Him. So Trevor texted me and he goes, "Did I really keep Heliot in the eighth? Because he submitted his keepers really early, and he's like, it's too late to change that now, isn't it?" And I screenshot, you know his results from the form he filled out. And he gets like, he's like, I'm not asking for it to be reversed. I just, that's a mistake. I should not have done that. I wish I would not have done that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just not good. I mean, he's just not even a top five prospect in that team. Um, I can name other giants prospects that are drafted later in the round. Um, Like Andrew as Marco Luciano two rounds later um, in the 10th. So I like story. I like Tucker, his first two picks. I think Luis Castillo is not a good second round value. It's not. Luis Castillo was a middling pitcher last year. I think he's a great pitcher. I just don't think he's second round well, Carol. And I, he was he bought he balanced out at middling. He was awful for a little while, and yes. then he was fucking awesome for a little while again. Yes, but he was an eight ERA guy for a month or two. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and that's just not that's a guy that you could get in the fifth, sixth round, something like that. Um, Walker Bueller's a fine number one. You know that's fine. Um, yeah, no doubt. But, the rest of his team is great. Bobochet, uh, you know, he's got Bellinger really late. Joey Bart, you know, they're not going to keep Kirk Sally there forever. And I think Joey Bart in a land of catchers that just don't exist. I mean, there's just no catchers draft um, is, is a fine pick. Um, but yeah, I think that he has to have a good draft, especially in that three or four spot. He's only got three, four, seven, which is rough to start. You got to have a really good team. If you only have a three, four, seven, I yeah, just don't think tough. it's there. Yeah. That's tough. I, I'm going to just name one team. You rattled off uh, three. I somewhat agree with Chase. I somewhat agree with Trevor. Um, the big one that I think is lacking is Tony. 
That's what Tony. I was going to say. Yes, Dude, yes. I, he was there. He used to live off of the initial draft, right? Like, mm-hmm. but now he's got old man free agent Kershaw. Uh, let Chris, him know. Chris Sale no longer in the 17th, now in the fifth round. Uh, old man J.D. Martinez is probably still going to be good. But then, okay, Chris Bassett, Mitch Hanniger and his wonder ball. Uh, Anthony Rendon, who I seemingly signed a big contract and fell off a cliff. Well, he did the Anaheim thing, but he might start to be starting to be. He's not, oh, not old man Rendon. He got but like hurt. Tons right. of mileage Rendon. And yeah, he had a, his first like probably longer than 15 days on the DL stint I, that I can I, remember in a long time. Syndergaard is, I mean, he's he's a Met. He's going to get hurt. It's going to happen. Uh, I had no idea if he's even going to be healthy for opening day, but I will say I love Dylan Cease and Grayson Rodriguez in the 22nd. I think those are those are solid picks, but like Tony has one, three, four, eight as his first four picks. And he has, I mean, saying he has holes in his roster would be putting it lightly. Um, I think he's he's got the roughest start going into the draft. I agree. So Ethan, that's your, that's your bottom. That was yes. And I, we talked about, about Victor. I, and again, I think Victor has, well, one, I, I think he has better keepers than Tony. The original prompt when we were like doing show prep was, was a bottom three. Um, but I think Tony was probably my bottom one. I do think Victor though, in a very Levi type of way with like Grisham jazz, Aaron judge, um, and he has an NA in the 20s or no, he's Davey uh, hey, in the 22nd <laughs> in the 22nd round. <laughs> I think that he has a backload. You know, I think he might have the less, the least like collective star power across all his keepers, but it's so backloaded that he has, um, like you were saying earlier, uh, a tremendous opportunity to come out of this draft with one of the stronger teams. Whereas like what we were just talking about with Tony, he not only has some some iffy keepers, but there's a lot of them are, you know, four in the first seven rounds, as opposed to we just said with Victor four in the last four rounds. Dude, I, I'm with Huck on McMadrigal this year, though. Like, I can't wait to see what he does. I, really I am. Yeah. Pick. I offered a trade before we got on this uh, podcast. Oh, really? Really? Yeah, I was. I he didn't take it, but I thought he might have. But it it was it was Degrom for uh, for an involved Madrigal. I won't say any more of that. But it was Degrom. Well, it was Degrom for Madrigal in the number two overall pick. It sounds like. Yes, something along those lines. I would yeah. give him somebody else, but yes. Okay. All right. Well, we've talked about keepers. Um, we're gonna finish. Or wait, no, we're. we're we're not quite to the end yet. Um, give me one player. We're going to skip around a little bit. Give me one player you're not going to draft, hundred percent, and not just because it's it's Freddie Freeman and you won't have a shot at him. Who are you not drafting in two weeks? Ethan. Um, Jorge Jorge Soler. I've had an on again off again relationship with him. I don't believe for so you. long. That doesn't mean I won't trade for him before week one. It just means I won't draft him because now I've said it on the podcast. That's fair. <laughs> Huck, we have a very on again off again. Who are you not going to draft, Huck? Uh, I'm scared to say it because I might draft him. Oh, um, so every year, and you might think it's stupid or whatever. I mean, you do think it's stupid, and it's fine. I, I do take a look at triples. I I incorporate triples into my draft strategy because I think it's it's a decent draft strategy. 
And there's a guy that hits a lot of triples every year that I usually get every year at around probably seven or eight, five rounds above anywhere anybody else will take him. Um, multiple draft or multiple position eligibility. And it's usually touted pretty well. Hunter Dozier. Oh, um, Dozier, huge boom. <laughs> He hit 216 with a 679 OPS. I think that's the second year in a row where he's hit like less than 220. He just like can't <laughs> hit the ball. But when he does, he hits it off the wall and it bounces all in crazy angles. And he um, fast. Yeah, he had 27 doubles, which is not terrible, but he only hit 60 on runs. He signed a huge contract before I drafted him. I think I drafted him in like the eighth round. So I thought KC has, um, has confidence in him. I'm going to have confidence in him. This year, I know he plays first base, third base, left field, right field, which is like so mouth salivating, just so good, especially for a guy that has a shot at double digit triples. But I just can't. 216 average. And I think I stuck with him for like three months. Ugh. What a mess. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I will not be drafting Joey Gallo under any circumstances. Because Somebody is. I just, I don't, well, yeah, somebody's going to draft him probably in the top 10 rounds, but I, he's not the kind of guy I can root for. He's just not somebody who's like, cause he won't bunt. He's, well, no, he will. That's the thing. He, he will occasionally, but it's so occasionally that I'm like, dude, you're, you're lead off. If you are lead off and every single player is shifted to one side of the field, get on base. That's it. Don't get me wrong. He had an OPS over 800 with a batting average under 200 last year. Okay. There's a place for that um, in our league. I just, I don't want to root for him no matter what team he's on. I know he's on the Yankees and I know that they've got a great home run park, but I don't want to root for him. I'm not interested in in the ding that he gives you an average. Um, I just can't imagine if, if he was available there in like the 10th round, I still don't think I'd pick him. I think there are other guys I'd want more. Yeah. I just don't want to, I, I am looking, that's my, the draft theme for me. I do not want to sacrifice anything. So if somebody is really fucking good at something, but I know they're really bad at something else. Um, I'm just, I, I, even if you hit a million triples, I cannot just take you because you hit zero doubles or zero home runs. I just can't. I'm predicting that Huck is going to draft Frank Schwindel. I will I'm predict that as well. I will predict that as well. I love Frank Schwindel. He, you know, my kind of player. He's he is uh, the he is the prototypical Huck player. Yes, and I will draft him five rounds above anybody else. That's why I tell you, I love the Cubs because I think they have so much draft value. And when you're talking about fantasy baseball, or you're talking about any fantasy sport, you know, volume. Somebody's going to get like just a ton of at bats and bat yeah. in that third and fourth spot. Frank Swindell is going to be that guy. Yeah. He's going to uh, have plenty of, uh, you know, of opportunity to drive in runs and and be that run producer for the Cubs, who are solely lacking in um, in talent and and power. So, you know, I'm really excited about that. The only issue with that is, um, I, I believe I have somebody that plays first base and other people that play first base as well. So, I'm really not looking for a first baseman. And as well, and also on top of that, um, if you have done any research at all, there's like 30 first basemen <laughs> that can, or people that can play first base that are available that are probably, uh, you know, pretty good. And, and I, I assume six of them, I think, will be taken in the first round. So 
hear that? Don't draft Freddie Freeman, ladies and gentlemen. There's plenty of first basemen out there. Um, it, it, it's kind of true. It's kind of true. Oh, so we're going to close out the podcast with another for fun exercise, similar to what we did last last week. Uh, this week, both Huck, Ethan, and then also myself, um, we're all going to take over a 2021 non-playoff team as the general manager. Now, we only get three moves to turn this roster into a World Series roster that includes free agent signing, trades, whatever. Um, we've each chosen one team. We're going to say how we do it and how it's going to lead them to the World Series. Ethan, I believe you have the Reds. We'll start with you. What did you do? How are you going to get the Reds to the World Series? All right. Uh, yes, I've taken the Cincinnati Reds. And to preface, I didn't try and like spend flagrantly high money in free agency, but I did like say they should sign players, not like you know, with an expectation of what the Reds would do in real life, which is probably not going to be signed players. So this is for the exercise, not a prediction of the Reds uh, offseason when baseball happens again. But uh, so my three moves, first one is, is, um, is bring back Nick Castellanos. I think he is um, just a perfect player for that ballpark. I think he is a perfect um a perfect player for that lineup. I think with the coming in DH him and my second move signed, Chris Bryant can allow players to play in a lot of different places. And instead of the reds having to necessarily have a always DH, they could then they could have different guys DH all the time and really move pieces around um, because Bryant is flexible because Castellanos can play either corner outfield because, you know, and they have a lot of outfield depth, frankly, Um, and you know, uh, um, so those are two moves. And then my third would be to, um, to trade Eugenio Suarez. Fuck that guy. He was number two on my, I won't draft him ballot. Uh, (laughs) um, I would trade him and it's, I, I just said for a relief pitching return, it's tough to, to, to be like to also now speak for a second team and be like they would do this trade like I have no idea but try and instead of like trading him for prospects try and trade him for at least one like guy who doesn't have to be a closer but guy who's going to keep the ball in the ballpark last year the Reds had a 499 bullpen ERA it was fourth worst in major league baseball the other four teams in the bottom five all lost 90 games or more each. (laughs) And so, and the reds are, they're very Phillies esque where they were a little bit above 500 and with even a competent bullpen, they'd be a lot of bit above 500. So I hated having to use one of the three moves to bring back Castellanos mostly because I don't think the reds will in real life, but those are, are my three Castellanos, Chris Bryant trade Suarez for bullpen depth. Interesting. Okay. That, that makes for an interesting roster. I would ask who they're going to play at shortstop. Is it Kyle Farmer? Is it- well, I think they could play Kyle Farmer at shortstop. I think they could play uh, Jonathan India at shortstop. I mean, now he's kind of in full-time. He's only second base for them, but it doesn't have to be that way forever. They could sign, you know, again, with the DH, they can sign somebody who's just really a defensive uh, you know, a David Eckstein type at, at shortstop. 
Um, but I mean, Suarez is not good enough defensively to make up for, for how he's hurting them as a three tree outcome hitter. So I think I still believe in that, in that trade. Okay. Huck, I believe you took over the Cubs. Uh, how did you, how are you going to bring the Cubs to the world series? Uh, I'm going to sign another starting pitcher because I believe there are starting pitchers out there that can be picked up. Uh, it doesn't have to be a Kershaw per se, because obviously the Cubs wouldn't realistically go and do something like that, but staying with the, in the division, I like Carlos Martinez. I think that he's been, um, one of those guys that's been in the bullpen for the Cardinals for the past few years. If you want to use him in the bullpen, you can, but he's proven that he's a pretty good starter. Bring him in. See what he can do. Um, uh, obviously, you can do that. Uh, there are other stars. Carlos Rodon um, just come right across the city. Okay, uh, from from Chicago. Um, I'd also build on my bullpen. I like Roman Wick as my closer, um, but you could supplement him with somebody like Archie Bradley. Um, Archie Bradley's free agent has been pretty reliable for, for years and years now. So, um, you could do that or I don't know, Jake Diekman has been good for Oakland. Um, might have an open spot here. The Diekman, the um, as far as offense concerned, to be honest, um, you're not going to, uh, do a bunch, but it would be nice to see maybe like, um, if he lights the world on fire, uh, Kevin Alcantara, uh, who we got in the uh, Rizzo um, uh, sign air trade last year at the trade deadline. So Kevin Alcantara, bring him up um, would be awesome um, and just have something for Cubs fans to be excited about and maybe get us sneak us into the playoffs there um, so we can prove that, you know, it's the magic still there. Well, with 12 or 14 teams, I mean, you got a much better shot. Possible. Okay. Well, so I took over the Kansas City Royals. Um, and the first thing I did as general manager of the Royals is I signed an outfielder, Tommy Pham. Bring in Tommy Pham. Um, I, so first of all, the Royals currently only have $77 million on their payroll. Um, Tommy Pham coming off a couple of disappointing years with uh, San Diego. He still has the exit velocity. He still has the same push-pull ratios. Um, theoretically, I, I don't understand why his BABIP is as bad as it is, as bad as it is when he's a stolen base threat. I mean, he stole almost 15 bases last year. Um Hits a decent amount of ground balls, but still a lot of line drives. And I think getting out of that San Diego park uh, would probably do him some favors and also add some value to the outfield. It also gives you uh, the flexibility to slide Andrew Benintendi over to center field, slot Tommy Pham right in there so that Michael A. Taylor isn't just, he's a great defensive outfielder, but he is going to hit 20 some odd homers and maybe bat 200 for you um, in the Eugenio Suarez kind of way. So I think that would be a big benefit for them. And I don't think it would be too terribly expensive. Um, where I want them to spend their money is Carlos Rodon. Uh, obviously, the Royals have Brady Singer. They have Chris Bubich, Bubich, Bubik, whatever. Um, they also have Mike Miner, who's currently their highest paid pitcher. Uh, no idea whether he's going to be a long reliever or a, uh, or a part of the rotation. 
but Rodon would easily slot in as the number one uh, starting pitcher for this team. And they desperately need one. I mean, they've got uh, like their lineup is as legitimate as it comes. Like Sally Perez at catcher, Carlos Santana at first, Witt at second. Um, I'm assuming that they're going to slot Bobby Witt at third because both Nicky Lopez and Adalberto have been plus defensive players at short the last couple of years. So unless Bobby Witt comes in, uh, whatever spring training ends up happening and just blows everybody away and they're comfortable slotting somebody over, I think he's going to start at third uh, to lead things off. And then they'll, they'll just DH Hunter Dozier. Um, and then Ben Intendi, Tommy Pham, and, you know, Kyle Isbell, Ryan O'Hearn, Hunter Dozier, anybody. Like, they've got four different guys that can play right field for them, and that's fine. They need the pitching. Um, so Carlos Rodon fits in very nicely there. And then the third one's a big trade. I've got them trading their number two, their number three, and their number eight uh, keeper uh, prospect in their farm to the Diamondbacks. It's Asa Lacey, starting pitcher prospect, uh, first baseman, uh, first base prospect named Nick Prado, and an 18-year-old international free agent that they signed last year uh, named Eric Pena, plays in the outfield. And I've got them trading him to the Diamondbacks for Zach Gallen, who enters arbitration next year and is 26 years old, and David Peralta, who is 34, uh, would slot in very nicely in right or left field and uh, is on his contract year. And the thinking behind this is, first of all, Peralta's not doing anything for the Diamondbacks this year. They are not going to compete. Um, if I'm the Diamondbacks, I'm looking to move Bumgarner. I'm looking to move Peralta. The tough thing to move is Zach Gallon, because like I said, 26 years old just entering arbitration now, had the injury last year, but still incredibly talented arm. Um, but uh, the Diamondbacks need a lot. And so Asa Lacey is there to potentially backfill that Zach Gallon opening and, and kind of kick it down the road a little bit to when maybe you're a little bit more competitive and he kind of comes into his own at the right time. Nick Prado, um, a real solid first base prospect and honestly not even the best one the Royals have. Uh, so I don't think he would be missed too terribly. And then Eric Pena, like I said, just a top-notch international free agent. They spent some money on last year. Um, looks to be a, a corner outfielder with power. Um, and I think the Diamondbacks make that trade. And I think it makes both organizations better. And I think it brings the Royals to the World Series after winning a uh, uh, better than usual AL Central. And do it without Lorenzo Kane. Got to bring him back. I'm not going to bring back Lorenzo Kane. I'm not going to do it. I've got, in this situation, I've got Ben Intendi. I've got Tommy Pham. I've got David Ooh, Ben Intendi. You know, Kyle Isbell is there coming off the bench. You got Dozier, huge boobs. You have me, Ben Intendi. I know. That's a, that'll do it. So, not to mention Carlos Rodon and Zach Gallen in front of Brady Singer, Chris Bubich, and uh, let me tell you, the amount of money that they're paying Brad Keller this year, which, okay, I guess it's only disgusting. It's only Can't strike five, out anybody. It's only $5 million, but he's the fifth highest player paid player on their team. Um, Mike Miner is currently being paid $10 million to potentially be a long reliever for them. So um, only walks. That is from Brad uh, Keller. That's my plan. 
for the Royals. Um, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I had a lot of fun playing fake GM this afternoon. So, <laughs> so much fun. I did too. I got a little sidetracked. I wanted to get deeper into it. I was looking up all kinds of fucking relief pitching stats and stuff for the Reds, but, uh, but it, that was a, it was that was a fun uh, that was a fun little podcast game. Yeah, I like doing these fun little exercises. Um, it's a good time. So that's going to do it for this week's podcast. Um, once again, we went a little long. We, we get hot about the rule changes. We get hot about talking about keepers. And I'm getting hot just thinking about the draft, which is officially yeah. a week from know, Saturday. Yeah, a week from Saturday. But we're looking at one, two, three, four, 11 days away. So <laughs> uh, get your drafting pants on, 13 of you, <laughs> or I guess 11 of you plus us too. Um, Plus us, yeah. I don't believe there will be a podcast next week, but looking forward to seeing people at the draft, looking forward to drafting, and here's hoping the lockout ends in between now and then. Uh, Guys, do you have anything to end on? No, I I had a lot of fun talking about baseball, and to be honest, yeah, I wish the lockout would have ended and I could have done some more extensive research today because tonight would have been the bomb if that would have ended. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we will continue this in the upcoming weeks. All right, Ethan, anything from you? No, see you goons in 11 days. I can't wait. Me neither. We'll see you guys at the draft. Thanks for listening. All right. See you guys. I can't explain. I still feel that I will be.